Well, hello, and welcome to another episode, an installment of Say Something Interesting. This is the follow-up weekend podcast from East Lake Tri-Cities. My name is Brent. With me, as always, is Margot. Hey, guys. She's got a mask on, and the reason she has a mask on is not because it's Halloween, <laughs> not like everybody. Jason Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I It's a breathing mask. She's not currently wearing it. Well, I mean, you are, but not over your mouth. It's not like... Yeah, she is she is uh prepared though for the smoke that has entered into the great Pacific Northwest. If I was on the Oregon Trail, I don't think I would have made it to the first mile marker. I got the the lungs of a sick Victorian child, so <laughs> I ain't taking I ain't taking any chances. Oh man. <laughs> it's not dysentery that knocked you off the Oregon Trail. Asthma. It's the asthma. <laughs> you have asthma. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It, it is, is smoky out there, though. It's smoky out there, guys. I loved uh, our neighbors, Kagan's Coffee and Crepes, and then his baker, Chris Noakes, posted a picture of like how to smoke meat in the Tri Cities, and it's just him standing, standing outside. outside with a rack of ribs. <laughs> this gouda tastes like smoked gouda, and I just bought straight gouda. So yeah, winning. Uh, it is fun. Uh, and it, what's interesting is I feel like I mean when I put out the signs yesterday morning, it was it was like blue sky. It was nice. Uh, and then it feels like in the middle of church, everything went on fire. Something happened. Like it was, it was weird. And then I walked out and at noon it was just, uh, it looked like a creepy movie is what it constantly looks like. What was that? Didn't they have like an M. Night Shyamalan or Stephen King, like the fog, right? Or it's like, yeah, something's in the fog. (laughs) It's pretty bad out there, guys. Hopefully you are inside listening to this. I, I would say even like not even on a treadmill because you're not even supposed to like exercise indoors. Well, which even is, if you have HVAC, they say like turn off the outdoor right, air you gotta intake. Right, recirculate, which I did last night. Which ours doesn't have a feature, so I'm dying oh, in my house. Sorry. <laughs> you can come over and hang out in recirculated air. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a little bit crazy. We're uh, just trying to fight through this thing and, and uh, make it happen. I feel bad for a fair week because um, it's... Uh, Poor Brent Michaels is. <laughs> oh, he already sounds like he's smoked a little bit. So uh, add this to it. You're not. They're not even like. You're not even going to see the guy on stage. It could be me up there he's playing gonna guitar. He's going to have extra bandanas on. Totally <laughs> extra. One for the forehead. One for the mouth. Um, have you ever been to our fair? No. You never went last year. I don't think I did. Uh, speaking of which, I think I was on my honeymoon. <laughs> Which, yes, this is important to notice. I didn't know this until we got home from church yesterday. But yesterday was Matt and Margot's one-year anniversary. You made it a whole year, Margot! Hallelujah! Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they say the first year is the hardest. Just kidding. They say it's the easiest. Um, <laughs> she's looking at me like... <laughs> uh, did you guys do anything fun for your one-year anniversary? Uh, well, we kind of counted our coastal trip. Oh, that's right. As- yeah, yeah. Just because, yeah, right. you know, life. And then uh, his parents got us a gift certificate to a restaurant we never would have went to on our own, so. Okay. Which was? Anthony's. Okay. And how and was it? They had, like, a brunch thing, which yeah. is. Sunday brunch is great. Yeah, they had, like, a free mimosa or champagne or yeah. fresh squeezed orange juice, free, like, fruit platter. Uh, free? Yeah. Nice. And then free, like, coffee cake thing before you even get your food so by the time the food comes i'm like oh and he was dressed all nice yesterday too i gotta be honest yeah yeah uh he had yeah. jeans on but they were nice jeans yeah we're working we're, we're yeah. making our way no he looked good fresh trimmed yes we're, uh, we're trying yeah absolutely <laughs> baby steps yeah. so it was good i mean here's the- a cool thing like with these these masks and these breathing things right i read this morning that you're they if you have a a beard 
it naturally filters. These are no. These masks are not going to work for you. Oh, because it just goes in under. All the, the beard. lumberjacks are dying. Yeah, exactly. Like no, don't even try and wear a mask and act like. This is working. It's not working, guys. Well, it it's makes coming sense the because you think like carpenters would have beards, but now that I think about it, most like woodworkers I know are clean shaven. Yeah, there you go. Got to get the good seal around the uh, the breathing apparatus. I don't know, but yeah, the food the food itself like the entrees weren't that great. Yeah, especially for their uh, their ambiance, but... their like view and stuff is what really. It's <laughs> yes, all all four feet of view that we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, like it was yeah, just on a, a smoky, foggy day. It was more the experience, day. right? Yeah, sure. It was a nice treat doing something we wouldn't normally do. And, Absolutely. And then he's like, "Do you like?" I think he was really trying to to hit all of my favorite things because oh. we're sitting in the restaurant. He's like, "Do you do you want to go to the local and get a coffee on the way home?" And it's like totally not in the same direction. Totally. And I was like, "Sure." Look at and him. Then, and then we get to the local. He's like, "Do you want to just walk around Target a little oh bit?" Oh my and gosh! I was like, what? Do you want so, to go home and watch Fixer Upper with me? <laughs> that was the next. That was the next progression. But instead of Target, we. Uh, I know. So he might be embarrassed to admit this. Probably. He loves candles. Mm. So we love going. Is it? What's the place next? Marshalls. Which one next to? Yeah, yeah, next to the Target at Queensgate. Queensgate, yeah, yeah. So we love going to the back section of Marshalls and looking at all like the funky chips and sauces and dips, and then we we always buy a candle. Nice. So. Keeping keeping the flame alive <laughs> for year oh, two. Pun pun. Yeah, so it was good. Good. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, speaking of like fancy chips and, and weird stuff, did you know uh, there's a new grocery outlet what a, what bargain a market? Bargain market. Grocery outlet bargain market. I, I say the whole thing because it's in the commercial. I have no idea. It's probably just grocery outlet. I've heard of grocery outlet. Yeah, there's I've one like gone. East Kennewick that you just never go to. Yeah, Fruitland so Street far or out something. Yeah, exactly. I was just driving out 68 yesterday to go out to oh. a birthday party for Jack Edwards. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't go on 68 unless someone's pulling oh, my teeth. I cannot blame you. Uh, all of a sudden, I look over, and there's like a strip mall that I did not even know existed. Uh, Planet Fitness, uh, Grocery Outlet, The Dollar Tree. Gosh, they're just like the cheapest of the cheapest gym. <laughs> the cheapest. The cheapest everything. <laughs> and then there's one... There's one empty spot that still is like being built, and you're like, "What other discount shopping thing can go here? What no are we idea. looking for in this moment?" I would love to hear what we think. I mean, you already have the Dollar Tree, so it can't be that. You've got grocery outlet, so it's not some sort of a grocery fast store. food place like an Arby's. That's the only Maybe, like I don't. But, I mean, Arby's is kind of expensive, right? And there's already one Probably on like 68. a Jack in the Box. I feel like that's really cheap. Don't they do like two tacos for a buck, and they're just like grease I have, balls? I have no Taco Bell. There you go. That, that's pretty. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Something cheap is going. So in if there. you have the four one one, let us know what's yeah. going into the uh, Guys, cheapo we are, strip mall. We are way off track here. <laughs> way off track. It's the smoke. It's the smoke. It's doing things to our brains. Uh, we did part three of our secular world, and uh, it's going to be a four-part series, and next week's the last week. And you actually missed the first two because you were on your um, your trip. So this is the first one you've actually been a part of. So would love to hear any sort of feedback from you, uh, Mark. I'm talking to Margo specifically, uh, about anything I mean, we, we talked about the series a little bit leading up to it, and here's the direction that I'm going or whatever, but it's different when it's like, okay, this is what I'm listening to. You were in the back. Any thoughts or takeaways from the series itself or, or anything from Sunday? Um, I, like, I enjoyed the fact that I've never, I don't think I've ever sat down and really thought about why 
society has changed. Like everyone's like, oh, even, you know, we used to say the Pledge of Allegiance and we used to pray in schools. And like, I hear that stuff, but I've yeah. never zoomed out enough to really look at the bigger trajectory of um, society's relationship with religion or the idea of religion and religion construct. So in that sense, it was it was fun to take um, some time to to think through that a little bit more critically. Uh, also, I think for me, I'm the thing that I enjoy about the series is that I have a lot of friends um, that in terms of friends that aren't plugged into a church that aren't anti-religious, um, but they're not like they just don't feel comfortable with organized religion, right? Like that's the quotation marks. Like, what is it like? I don't know. I'm like rushing on to Sunday. We're not very organized, <laughs> like, but like the an established church system, um, they don't feel comfortable doing that. But then I'm like, well, you can go to a Unitarian church. It's like everything goes. And they're like, no, even, even that, like if there's a building, it's like they start, <laughs> they start like moving the line up yeah. on like why they don't feel comfortable with the church. So I think you talking about, um, the thin beliefs and the thick beliefs thing was, was interesting because, um, I think for a lot of them, they're really struggling. Like they haven't really sat down and made, made out that list of like, what do I actually adhere to instead of resisting anything that wants to tell me some good suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm reading a book right now on, uh, uh, C.S. Lewis and J.R. Tol- Tolkien uh, in the First World War, and kind of like how it impacted their faith and their and their whatever. And and in it, um, it talks about how this wartime, really the first, the Great War. Yeah, right? they called it the Great War, right? Because it was like, I mean, we. I often think war on that scale was World like, War Two gets a lot more play. There's a whole lot more movies made on World, World War Two. Was way World more refined at that way point. More gruesome. Yes. Holy smokes, man. I, I want to swear an air, but it was a blank show. Like that's Oh what, my god. Because then you have some people with like heavy munitions fighting people with like bayonets and horses. Like it was just like hand to hand combat like you've never seen and uh, like the world had never seen. And, they, and like they had an established like what's okay to do and like what's Nothing. like there's no code of conduct at that point. Yeah. For and the crazy goes. part was uh, like both sides had the religious backing of the religious institutions of their subjective countries. So like German theologians were like, Hey, this is, we're doing this for God. Right. And then you've got the church of England and, and France and them going, Hey, we're going to take out these sinners who are complete heretics. I mean, everybody did. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Uh, and then I, I, I had heard this before, but I didn't realize you don't realize the magnitude of this uh, scenario or the significance of this event until you see the magnitude and the, the depths of the grotesque nature of it, right? But Christmas Day, uh, in the middle of the war, well, I think it was 1914 was the year of Christmas Day, um, the battle lines kind of like died down at the, at the forefronts, and men came out of the trenches and came and sang Silent Night together. And then the next day went back to freaking killing themselves, man. I feel like it'd be Crazy. really. I think it'd be really hard to, to backtrack after having. Because I mean, the thing that keeps you sane, and obviously I'm not speaking from experience, so you could just totally blow your BS horn on this. But in my head, the thing that would keep you sane in a battlefield experience, is diminishing the humanity of the person that you're fighting. Right. Yes. If you don't think about their mama at home nope. waiting for them, or their girl, or you know. And that's exactly what took place. That in World they're War afraid. One. Yeah. That they're like if Complete you. Complete propaganda on one side of the other thing. 
yeah. right? Because you don't have, there's no lines of communication other than what your country wants you to hear. Yeah. And um, so when you go and sing Christmas carols together, I feel like that it's really hard to be like, oh, this is a, this is the enemy. This is a person that has no feelings, no heart, no family that's worried about them, no fears of their own. I bring it up because in it, um, uh, the author talks about how it was enlightening for both Lewis and Tolkien to see what kind of beliefs men, really boys, brought to the battlefield and how those things changed based on the environment that they were in. Like the realization that they come with all of these high hopes of what they're going to do or, or whatever. They're all and, thin yeah. beliefs. It was all thin. Yeah. And they would recognize and respect the people who came in with these thick beliefs of um, this is uh, this is impactful. Like this is going to change. I, I'm, I'm not going to change who I am based on these scenarios. I'm still going to be this. And to watch them kind of navigate uh, and, and go through that was is significant. So anyways, uh, the book is called uh, uh, Hobbit. Uh, a wardrobe and the great war or something like that. So anyways, it's a good book, but um, yeah, just the significance of the thin and thick beliefs and, and how, how in thick beliefs, circumstances don't change them. And that's the kind of beliefs that I would, I want to have, you know, and, and you want to do it. And it's challenging to be able to look at and say, do I like this because of the way that it looks on me? Uh, do, do I sign up for this or do I say that I believe this because this is the appearance that I want to hold or do I genuinely believe this? That was hopefully the walkaway point uh, from some areas. I walked away from it going, that was my, that was my biggest mm, angle or strongest point to be able to stand on in this because we live in a, I, we live in a very expressive individualistic culture now where individual choice is the utmost value and consumer consumer identity is more important than any sort of religious affiliation, citizenship affiliation, what I purchase, what I wear, what I drive, what I post says more about what I post says more about me or, or means more to my identity than who I am under all the layers. Structurally who I'm a part of in terms of membership. Right. So I don't want to be a part of a organized church. I don't like what that says about me. That feels a little bit old school. That feels a little bit like, uh, established authority sheep, structures mentality. Yeah, telling me what to believe. I'm, I'm good on my own or I think I can do it better on my own. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a free thinker. I know how to use my brain. So I'm not going to put myself in a position to be told what to think and what to believe. Yesterday on Slack, you posted something on our podcast channel. That, that was, was me, like, uh, <laughs> cause I don't reminding have yourself, yeah. right. Uh, what it was. So you want to dive into yeah, what that was? So when you're talking about that, that specific part about how cultures evolved to this, um, no one's really comfortable with anything that's established, so let's find these gray area, gray areas to stick our flags in to paint this better picture of ourselves, right? Because if we don't define ourselves by black and whites, then no one can really get on our case because we're a little bit for this and we're a little bit for that, and then we make both sides happy or both sides ambivalent towards us. Uh, and I saw that in my college experience, which I'm sure is way more prevalent now um, than it was then, but I knew like back when I, especially my sister who's seven years older than me, was looking for college, you picked a university based on what majors it had. Um, so if you wanted to be, like for her, an occupational therapist, there was only a limited amount of schools that you could choose from. Um, and then, like, even if you're picking something more generic, like English, uh, you'd want to pick, you know, one that has a really strong writing program, one that has a really strong medieval literature program or something like that. Um, and so when I started college, it was just in my head that, 
you're locked into this major. Like you feel a little overwhelmed. You're like, I'm 18 and I'm making a decision that's like I'm trying to choose my career. Like this is intimidating. But you just sucked up and been like, all right, if I have to backtrack, I'm going to backtrack. <laughs> and so you pick your major and you're sitting in that. And then I remember, I think my senior year, they started putting out the option to create your own major. And to me, I'm like, when did college become the Froyo bar? <laughs> like, yeah. this is so... A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And like... I understand maybe if you're going into something super specific, like I had a friend that was into um, dance therapy, like dancing as a, as a form to um, process trauma and stuff like that. Like that's great because she like knew her career from the onset and wanted to create something. But the other part of me was like, I know in my, cause I know you, what do you get frustrated with in college? You get frustrated with gen eds, right? Cause I was, I was an English major and writing major and I'm like, why do I have to take geology? Yeah. Why do I have to take organic chemistry? <laughs> um, they called geology rocks for jocks. Cause it was just like everyone's gen ed, like yeah. the guys there on sports scholarship would all be in there. But actually some of my favorite classes were my gen ed classes. And I saw the benefit of expanding my education beyond this tunnel focus. Um, and I wouldn't have experienced that if I had just been like cherry picking the classes that I thought was beneficial to me, because what happens when we cherry pick is that we end up, I think, a thin outline, right? You you don't end up well-rounded. You are like, I'm only like, say, uh, I only wanted to study uh, medieval literature and that's all I read. And those are the only courses I took. I wouldn't, if I don't study the history behind the times, I'm having a very limited, very thin view of the, the people I'm thinking of. If I don't study psychology to understand the mind frames of people going on crusades and things like that, I have a very, I end up with a very thin education. So it's kind of, as much as I think there's individual cases where a cherry picked degree are beneficial to me, I kind of feel bad for people because now I know that they're missing out on some better, a better educational, a thick experience. How about math though? Come on. You don't really use geometry. Okay. But here's the thing. (laughs) I was atrocious at math my entire life. Okay. Never good. And I had, I actually put off, I was so dumb. I put off taking math in college. I had to take one course, the easiest math course, just take it for my thing. I put it off till senior year. Oh boy. Like, so there was a lot of time that went by between my like barely scraping by math knowledge. And now I'd filled my head with Chaucer and many other things that were not, you know, I had a calculator. I didn't need math, but I had a teacher that was super helpful that didn't look at me as like this kid just wants to get a C to get her degree. She wanted me to understand the material and she was passionate about it. She actually was like, um, a younger Catholic mom, (laughs) kind of like a, like that was the only class that she taught was this math. And she would, I never sought tutoring before because I just hated math and didn't want to spend any more time with it. But she's like, no, I'm not like, I'm telling you, I'm going to tutor you and walk you through on this because like, I want you to know that you can do this, that you're not like dumb (laughs) when it comes to math. And she invested in me and cheered me on. And I got like a B plus, which was unimaginable for me in a math course. And so even in that, even though I don't use most of the information that I learned, the experience to me was still worthwhile. And I still met an incredible person. Absolutely. It teaches you how to learn, which is something, you know, if you can apply it here and, and for this moment, learn what geometry or trigonometry or calculus or whatever, you can then take that 
ability to learn into whatever sort of course. And now I'm not so discouraged if I'm not good at something because I have hope that I can get better. It's like if you go to the gym, you're like, oh, I find that, you know, like as a woman, I'm like leg exercises, leg machines are way easier than upper body machines. But if all you ever do are leg machines, you're going to look redonkulous. And in fact, your body's (laughs) going to become unbalanced and it's actually going to like cause you to get hurt and injured. And so... That's why I, I appreciate a traditional program because it stretches you in areas that you wouldn't normally subject yourself to be stretched. And I think that's why organized religion is important, at least to experiment and to sit yourself in and give it the time and space. Because if we only do what's comfortable, yeah. we're we're not going to end up being a whole and healthy person. Because guess what? There's some things that are super important, but aren't an uncomfortable process to learn and realize. Yeah. That's good. I love it. Uh, we also let's can we transition anything else in there that before we transition to like a little bit more fun, lighthearted. I'm stuff? just interested to see how you're gonna end it. Oh, I oh I I introduced a hundred best episodes of the because uh, we mentioned that our culture is obsessed with being everything being debatable, contestable. Every every value that you hold, everything, every opinion that you have, you know, it's just an opinion. And so when you put it out in the public. Uh, sphere, the public spectrum or whatever, be prepared to have people go, well, that's a stupid idea. And you just know, like, whatever, everybody has their opinions. And it used to be like, I think, like offensive that people would say that. And now it's not as offensive. You just kind of maybe come to expect it. You don't enjoy it, but you expect it. Yeah. Right. We're a little bit more pessimistic. So the hundred best episodes of the century, which is really the only, the last 18 years, uh, I covered the top three. I also, I sent the list to you this morning and you, we are able to kind of browse through m- most, if not all, of the list. Any major surprises on that that you think is ridiculous? Well, the fact that Walking Dead just squeezed in the top 100. I don't like Walking Dead. Not, and, I, and I'll say this. I've watched some episodes. The storytelling, the characters, the, the setting, like what would you do in these scenarios? Super engaging. Like super well done. I just don't like super gory things. Zombies give me nightmares. So that's that's an. They outbreak. picked the wrong episode too. They did this episode where uh, at the barn, it's like season one or season two. Oh, or where they open like it that. and all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like the See, girls there who you're like, oh, we she went missing, and now we know what happened to her. It was, I mean, that was like, oh, I remember that episode. It was crazy. But here's the but thing: the big episode was when Negan. Oh yeah, catches the baseball bat and the baseball bat. You guys, that is the best episode of the series. Bar none, no question. How did that not make the list? And then not be number 98 on the list of 100. That should be closer to probably the top 25 would be my guess. But Yeah, uh, also other shows on there, I was like, were they just like, what are, because they needed to pick 100 unique shows. Yeah. So I'll give them that, that there's some shows that are right, like. Right, they're a little reach. Right. But still, the fact that like House Hunters International beat out uh, like Sherlock and some of these shows that have such huge devoted followings. Uh, I don't know. I feel like reality TV should, shouldn't even be on there because there's no craftsmanship. There's no, well, I mean, you're editing together footage to make something more interesting than it actually is, but there's no storytelling. There's no casting. Well, there, I mean, yes, but not, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's a lot more creative work done, um, than, in, in a agreed. Story. However, one of the episodes that made the cut was Survivor, and I do remember. And we just talked about this off air. Here's the thing: that was like the original season one, right? Yeah. I mean, but like the Richard Hatch 
twist at the end and then the monologue quote from I can't even remember her name. Susan or something whatever. like that. I mean, that was like I just remember when Survivor was on and going, I remember when it first came out, me being like I remember reading about her, watching it, going, hey, this is actually kind of a creative show. This is before it got crazy big. And then when it got crazy big, I remember, like, people were talking. It was it was the water cooler show on the next day. That's what everybody was talking about, going, oh, my gosh, did you watch last night? Um, so I do think it kind of revolution That show in particular, I don't think yeah. every reality show. No, like, the Kardashians ended up in, like, the, I'm like probably. I uh, Kardashians were in, the, like, the 60s. I was like, how in the world does a Kardashian episode knock out some of these other much bigger players in my head? Yeah. So, like, of course, but you mentioned this in your sermon. I'm like, they're probably just putting some bombs in there just to upset people intentionally. And, and the so. reason that House Hunters International made it on this list, because you're right. It's like, what? how does this, how did that make the list or whatever, um, was because the couple who were buying the house literally started, like, being uber passive aggressive and then just straight up aggressive (laughs) then just straight up aggressive like literally almost breaking up on live television you had to imagine that the guy's filming this going i can't believe this Uh. is happening we're collecting this because he's like at one point he says all right this room is going to be my study and she's like and what am i supposed to do like have my little crafting studio over here and he goes as long as you're quiet (laughs) oh come on man that's drama. I wonder if they like signed that whatever you film can be used before or after, because I feel like they wouldn't want that part of themselves portrayed on national television oh, after the man. fact, after like the poop hit the fan and yeah. their shaky relationship was revealed for all its glory. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Oh, and side note, I uh, I mentioned this too, but um, there's an East Laker who was on House Hunters International. Him and his wife. I feel like I've seen Kyle that episode Dez. too. Have you? Yeah, they, went to, uh, they sure. were in Ireland. They only remember one from Ireland, and so it has to be I'm them. I'm sure it, it's probably them. He's a good-looking dude. Fun family. It was awesome. It was, uh, I, I haven't seen the episode. I'm, I'm looking at an article in the Tri-State Herald about it. Um, but uh, he said, he told me um, recently that... Uh, well, this is going to... If you love House Hunters, then yeah, skip forward alert. like a minute. Skip forward. <laughs> they had already lived in the house that they picked. For like a month prior to the filming thing. so Because by the time you, okay, so you start looking for a house, like, oh, I guess we want to move. Then you put your application in. Yeah. By the time they get back to you, most likely. And like, one of the other houses was one that they had lived in previously. Of the three, they were currently living in one and had lived in another one and were expected to come in and to look around and be like, oh, oh wow, this is very nice. Look at how spacious this is. Um, so rather funny. And then the entrance, too, that he's like, there's only one camera guy. So every time that they do these like multiple shots of you coming in the entrance are different takes of you coming in the entrance. Because <laughs> they don't want to spend another, uh, another paycheck sending someone to Can't Ireland. Can't do that. Uh-uh. So anyways, rather, <laughs> rather it? enlightening. I think my mom... Funny. Always made the comment too that whenever they show them living in their house, she's like, "Here's the scene where someone's cutting fruit or vegetables," and it's sure, sure enough, enough there's there always it is. someone cutting something up. That's that's awesome. Uh, all right, well, uh, that ringer 100 best episodes of the century will be in the show links, um, and lots of spoilers. So just yeah, be careful. Browse with caution. Yeah, but they have like a really cool like you can watch and listen to audio as it kind of goes down and see little clips of the things that they're talking about. It's a really cool. They did a good job on on it. So I'm I'm passing along to you. Um, if you've missed any of the previous three weeks of the Our Secular World series, you can go to eastlaketristities.com slash talks, follow up and listen to that. This week we'll kind of do the big conclusion of it and, uh, it'll be great. Um, 
So let's talk about our something interestings. Mine is semi-related to this, so I'll just go first today and give go you a chance. Uh, one of the uh, shows that was on this that I th- think I found interesting uh, was The Price is Right, which has been on forever, y'all. I mean, like, how is that one of the best TV episodes that's like of the century? That's like when you're at home from, like, when you stay home from school sick, the only thing that's on TV was, like, supermarket sweeps and The Price is Right. Listen, I, I love Price is Right just as much as anybody. Uh, but it's taken a step down since Drew Carey has taken I really haven't watched it since then. I do remember, like, staying home from school on the sick days and being like, one of the things I'm pumped about is watching Prices Right. Anywho, the reason it made the list is because on uh, a certain anniversary, I can't remember what, I think it was like 10-year anniversary, they bumped up, I'm looking for it on the note sheets right here, but um, they bumped up the price. They usually give $1,000 to anybody who hits a dollar on the wheel spin at the end, but for this special anniversary episode, uh, they did $10,000, and a unprecedented five people hit the hit the one dollar mark which is unbelievable but it also kind of assures you that it's not rigged not rigged and then they they also said if you hit the dollar again we'll give you an additional twenty five thousand dollars to do it and then another person hit it again the odds they worked out the odds of all of these things taking place in one thing it's one in 3.2 million things so drew carey's literally watching this going hilarious that a this happened b it happened on a day where we bumped up by 10 times the amount that people would win, he's dying laughing, thinking we might be going bankrupt as a show. <laughs> they gave away over $80,000 just on the wheel spins, not to mention all the other prizes that you win and the showcase showdowns and all that kind of stuff. Crazy. I, I imagine that that would be ha, have been a fun episode. I don't know if you can actually watch that episode, uh, but the fact that it happened, I think, is somewhat interesting. Can I share a... Uh, a contestant show fact for you that you may not have heard? Yes, please. Uh, so have you ever seen someone win a car on a game show? Uh, oh yeah. Do you know that there is a huge caveat to the car? Because they got to pay taxes on it, right? They have to pay taxes within like 10 days. Oh really? So if you win a, I don't know, $60,000 car and you got 10, 10% tax or something like that, you have, and you have to pay that within 10 days, like a lot of people end up not being able to keep Oh, these, and then that includes like treadmills and all these other big things yeah. that they get. So feel bad for the. Uh, they, just, I'm sure they, they probably get have so to pay excited California tax too. Would be my guess, not just yeah, like they're from Nebraska where there ain't no tax. And know? oftentimes, like they don't ship it for them, or like a lot of people don't get to keep the car. So oh. I always kind of whinge when I see someone get <laughs> get a car. What exactly is a whinge? I'm, I'm it's a- like a. <laughs> <laughs> I whinge when you said whinge because I thought you meant twinge. It's like it's like a cringe. Oh, there you go. But usually with like an audible. A little bit more on there. Yeah. Good. Good stuff. All right. What what do you got for something interesting this week? So more sucked into the life of TV because I don't want to go outside because I'll die. Uh, (laughs) So I love Stephen King. I'm not a huge horror person, but most of Stephen King stuff is like pretty like like books or movies or what do you what do you all of it? You read Stephen King. Love Stephen King. Really? So, uh, as a person, I adore him. Okay. One of my fun celebrities. He's a fun follow on Twitter. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he hates the current administration, so I think it that. Absolutely, but he's he's I- ironic and funny. Yes. Which is what you don't get. He's very witty. Yeah, which you don't get out of it, right? Yes. Or something else. So uh, it's definitely not one of my favorites. But I love like a lot of his stuff is more psychological. Like the the heartbeat of his stories are these characters that he creates, and I love that he's really good at creating realistic characters in the sense that 
it's like the brave guy isn't always brave. Like yeah. everyone has skeletons in the closet. Everyone has baggage, uh, and it's pretty like relatable stuff. As a person, he's wonderful. He lives in Maine, and I actually got to watch my total random random celebrity sighting. I got to watch Pirates of the Caribbean two next to him. Are you serious? Yes, I was, like in a movie theater. Yes, I was, you recognized him. Uh, well, so the movie had already started, so he like snuck in a little late with his giant bucket of popcorn. Yeah, and I just looked and his back giant and, forehead, and I can hear like I hear noise, and there wasn't a lot of people in the theater. It's a small rundown like no name theater so i look up the aisle and i just see the silhouette of this guy dragging his leg like igor from frankenstein with a giant bucket of popcorn i'm like this is like weird handicapped dude (laughs) and then he sits next he like collapses in the chair next to me or like one like we have one between us okay i was gonna say empty theater and he sits next to you no 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 but still that sounds like a steve that sounds like the premise to a stephen king novel but still the same row which was totally unnecessary yeah and then so i'm like who and i'm like he's kind of like funky looking were you by yourself or with friends i was with my parents who like were oblivious and so i'm like he's kind of funky looking but he looks so freaking familiar and he like the whole movie he's him and an like a very audible movie watcher so oh, i'm distracted yeah and i then finally i'm like holy crap it's Stephen king <laughs> so i'm like fangirling a little bit but i just okay so now i need to like fast forward Stephen king he's awesome he what lo- movie was it uh Pir- that was pirates, oh, pirates of the caribbean you said that that's two right. number two okay uh, uh. But he's cool. Like his house in Maine is like really awesome. He loves baseball, so he paid for a little league baseball park to be built at the bottom of his property. So he can go see. So it. he can just sit on his front porch and watch baseball cool. all day. He's a, like he's a cool guy. Plus he owns a corgi, and corgis are my favorite Welsh corgis. Yeah. Her name is Molly, the thing of evil, and his <laughs> posts about her are hilarious on Twitter. Have you ever read his on writing well book? Of course, I read it in college okay. for a writing course, Good. which a lot of people don't know that he wrote a book on like how to write how and to the write. writer. Yeah. experience and it's really good yeah a lot of people who are like here's what books have influenced me as a writer it makes that list a lot, so many times when i see people talk about that kind of stuff it's great it's even like even if you're not like i'm not gonna write i'm not like, gonna write horror and they're like no it doesn't matter or just even a, if you're not gonna write like i was entertained and like really interested to hear his story and process yeah so all that being said uh his new series has come out on hulu castle rock which is fun because it plays a lot of homage. Like it's set in the same Stephen King world, which is confusing because it's like it's always in Maine. And but like it takes place at Shawshank Prison. And so like there's a lot of like like hat tips to yeah. some of his other work. Sure. Uh, and it's really a really cool show. I mean, it's definitely creepy. There's not a lot of like intense gore or anything like that. Uh, there hasn't been any sex scenes thus far. They release a new episode every Wednesday. Uh, the main character is the same guy from It, Bill Skarsgård, uh, who's the younger brother of the guy that was famous in True Blood and all that. Alexander Skarsgård? Yeah, that's that guy. Got it. Very Nordic, very creepy looking. But essentially, it's about um, Shawshank Prison, and they there's a section of the prison that's been burnt down for 30 years, and uh, there's a new... Uh, person running the prison so they're like we're over capacity why have my predecessor let this 
section of the prison sit vacant. Why haven't we been fixing it up and putting prisoners in here because we're overbooked? And so she sends two security guards to go count beds or essentially establish how many people they could shove in here. And one of them stumbles upon, it looks like a submarine hull in the floor. And like this place is covered with dust, but there's footprints, right? So you're like, what? Who has been in here? And you open, like this isn't too much of a spoiler. You can see this from watching the trailer. He opens up the submarine hall, climbs down this like 20 foot ladder into this like tank pitch black like sweeping the flashlight around and he sees this like teenage boy in a cage oh my goodness and so he's like what and so like the whole thing is they have no record of this prisoner he doesn't speak so he won't tell them their name they have no idea who he's like why he's there how long he's been there and so uh, the premise of this show is that like the town is like under a curse for lack of better terms like normal people kind of like the shining like normal people that stay like end up doing really horrific things and everyone blames it on the town. Like mm. the town just turns people cray cray, but there's it, but it's been good for the last so many years. So would Kylie watch this? This is a good <laughs> filter for me. Okay. I was just talking to you about how there's some things that I would love to watch, but I just, how like easy does she get creeped out? It's uh, definitely creepier than stranger things. Creepier than Stranger Things? Yes. Okay, she wouldn't like it then. Oh. That was too much for her. She was like, this is weird. I'm out. Well, it's not weirder. Like, it's not sci-fi-y. Oh, okay. But it, like in terms of like, yeah, ooh, yeah. like creepier. I don't know. Yeah, you can always try. Yeah, a cage at the bottom of a, yeah. <laughs> you can think, always try the first I think episode. she's out, but it does have an 86 on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's good. They have some like pretty like sissy SpaceX in it. Right. And then the guy that was in um, Daredevil and... Andre Holland. Is that him? Yeah. The guy that's always in martial arts stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, I'm I'm intrigued by it. I'm entertained by it. But, and now I'm really bummed because I'm so used to binging that I now have to wait every Wednesday for a new episode. Wednesday, Wednesday. We're looking forward to Tuesdays right now. We're watching Hard Knocks with the Cleveland Browns training camp. It's pretty fun. It's been, it's been great. So... All right. Well, that'll do it for uh, this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. The only promo thing that we have is, uh, for me, uh, is uh, I'm going to be out at the uh, fairgrounds on Wednesday during uh, like lunch and dinner, volunteering at the- Doing uh, a meet and greet? Dip like, <laughs> no, Dippin' Dots booth for Young Life. Oh, of course. So if you're going to the fair- and you're getting food, you might as well stop and say hi at the, the Young Life uh, Dip Dots booth. Come support a good cause. Uh, I'll be there Wednesday. We've got a lot of people from Eastlake involved in Young Life, so at least stop and say hi. You're pro- probably going to know somebody there. And uh, then help out. Bring uh, your mask. Yeah, bring your mask. You should bring it and then like cut a little hole, a little tiny hole in the mask so that <laughs> you can have Dippin' Dots. deep-fried Oreos. <laughs> Uh, so yeah anyways if you're there check us out Uh, other than that uh, we'll see you for part four of our secular world this weekend and uh, catch you next week on another episode of Say Something Interesting have a great week guys see ya